Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnolis. I love coming up with traditions. I love coming up with days to do stuff. Be it a day of the week that I eat the same food or a time of the year when I watch a movie. I love doing stuff like that. I don't know why, it's just something I've always loved. I've always been a fan of the movie The Fog. Who wouldn't be? It's a wonderful horror movie. But unlike the movie Halloween, which I tend to watch every Halloween, I never really worked The Fog into my Halloween rotation in any real way. And that might have been because I didn't live in a place that was foggy. Then I moved to California, to San Francisco, and that area gets pretty foggy. So Halloween rolls around, and I'm sitting in my place, and fog rolls across the windows. It gets real dark outside, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. This would be a good time to watch the fog. So I did. And then every year afterwards, in the month of October, whenever it was foggy out, I would take out the movie The Fog and say, this is the movie I'm going to watch tonight. And it became a regular tradition. I bring this up because I find that people have a tendency to not make these new traditions up as they get older. Perhaps they do for their kids, which is great, but I also think it's a good idea to do it for yourself. If you like a movie, make a day of the year when you watch it, or maybe a day of the month if you really love it. There are not enough days in the year for me to concoct all the special days that I would like to celebrate. If you happen to live in a place that gets foggy, especially during the month of October, perhaps you'd like to work this into your repertoire. I would be very happy to welcome you to my celebration. I currently do not live in a foggy area, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do this year. I will watch the fog. I will probably just pick a day that becomes like Fog Friday. But I do miss the moodiness that came with being surrounded by the very thing that became so terrifying in the movie. And on today's show, we're going to talk about that movie. We're going to talk about John Carpenter's The Fog. We're going to talk a little bit about the development, the story behind it, the casting, the production of the movie. Of course, we'll go a little bit over the plot. There could be some spoilers. We'll talk about the cast of characters, the actors and actresses who play them. We'll talk about the reception. And of course, we'll touch upon the remake of The Fog. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us. So without further ado, let's start the show. Fog was John Carpenter's first feature film after the success of his 1978 film, Halloween. I don't think Halloween needs any introduction. One of the best horror films ever made, in my opinion. The Fog would not be as successful as Halloween. 
but over the years as people's dedication to Carpenter has increased and people appreciate his work more, it has become a cult favorite. The inspiration for the movie, according to Carpenter, was drawn from the British film The Trollenberg Terror, which was put out in 1958, and that movie dealt with monsters hiding in the clouds. Also, while he was in England promoting his film Assault on Precinct 13, Carpenter and his writing partner and then-girlfriend, Deborah Hill, visited Stonehenge, and an eerie fog was visible in the distance, and he always had that in his mind. So those two things together, combined with a story he heard about a deliberate wreck of a ship and its subsequent plundering in California during the 19th century, would become the inspiration of the fog. This alarm fills the night with terror, for high on the mountainside, a mysterious fear such as no human being has ever seen before. Where there are mountains, there are always clouds. But this one remains static. On the side of the Trollenberg, it never moves. Freak of nature. A radioactive freak of nature? It strikes without warning, wreaking death and destruction too horrible to behold. A force of evil that tortures its victims and hurls them mercilessly to the brink of murder and madness. What is it? And what does it crave, this creeping horror that hungers and thrives on human flesh while it inhabits its own silent world that no man can penetrate? No one is safe from its spell of destruction. A cold hypnotic stare striking fear into the hearts of all, creating a frenzied nightmare for those who behold it. The cloud is splitting up. Splitting up. There are four of them now and all moving this way. The fog would be part of a two-picture deal that Carpenter landed, and that second film that he would make is Escape from New York. The movie would have a $1 million budget, so it was essentially a kind of low-budget film, but Carpenter decided to shoot the film in anamorphic 235-to-1 format, which gave the film a sort of bigger-budget look. It was filmed from April 79 to May 79 at Raleigh Studios in Hollywood, California, for the interior scenes, and on location in Point Reyes, California, Bolinas, California, Inverness, California, and the Episcopal Church of the Ascension in Sierra Madre, California. After these messages, we will return. Sleeping Tempkins, a pasty film covers their mouths. Morning! They wake with the worst breath of the day. Morning! Scope anyone? We'll use ours. Mom, that leaves your breath medicine-y. Scope's minty. Ours kills germs. Scope kills germs? No kidding. Try. Ah. 
minty fresh. And kills germs. <laughs> Morning. Scope fights bad breath. Doesn't give medicine breath. When you get up and go, it's got up and gone. Snow Crop Five Alive, five delicious fruits. Tangerine, grapefruit, lemon, lime, and orange make one refreshing taste. Take five, five Alive! Take five! Five Alive, the five fruit refresher. And now, back to the show. Film production was a quick two months, but after viewing a rough cut of the film... Carpenter wasn't happy with what he saw. Carpenter has been quoted as saying, It was terrible. I had a movie that didn't work, and I knew it in my heart. At that point, Carpenter went back to the drawing board and would add a prologue to the film with John Houseman telling a ghost story, and he would go back and add new scenes and reshoot others in order to make the film more frightening, more comprehensible. In the end, approximately one-third of the finished film that you see was comprised of new footage that was shot in that reshot. So just a little bit about the plot of The Fog. If you haven't seen The Fog and you want to be surprised, maybe pause the show and go watch it, or fast forward a little bit. I will assume that most people who are listening to this have seen it. So the fishing town of Antonio Bay, California, is about to celebrate its centennial. While the celebration planning is underway, there's a series of ominous events that seem to build up as the town grows closer to this centennial event. People start witnessing odd phenomena. At the same time, the town's priest, Father Malone, discovers a diary that explains that in 1880, six of the founders of the city, including his grandfather, deliberately sank and plundered a ship named the Elizabeth Dane. The ship was owned by a wealthy man who had leprosy who wanted to establish a colony near Antonio Bay. So, during a foggy night, the six conspirators lit a fire on the beach near rocks, and the crew of the ship, thinking it was a beacon, crashed into them. Everyone aboard the ship perished. Now, 100 years later, those crewmen are back for revenge, and they do it under a thick fog that rolls into the city. A local radio DJ, Stevie Wayne, who runs the radio station out of a converted lighthouse, which is probably one of the most awesome things I could think of, If you ever picture where I'm recording this show, pretend it's in a lighthouse, because that's how I'd like you to think of it. It is not a lighthouse, but in my dreams it is a lighthouse. Someday. She sees some signs that bad stuff is about to happen, and then bad stuff starts to happen. Enter Jamie Lee Curtis, enter Janet Lee. All of these people suddenly get pulled into this violent night as the spirits of these fallen sailors wreak havoc in the town and close in on the church, which it turns out was built with plunder from that ship. Now, I'm not going to give away the ending, but it's fairly satisfying. It is night. It is cold. It is coming. can hear my voice. Look into the darkness across the water. Look for the fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. What in the living hell is out there? 
John Carpenter's The Fog, coming soon from Avco Embassy Pictures. Casting seems pretty simple. Carpenter seems to like to take people he's worked with before or are friends with and put them in his films. Adrian Barbeau plays the radio station owner-operator Stevie Wayne. Barbeau was born in 45, American actress. At the time, she was married to John Carpenter. She came to prominence when she played Rizzo in the original Broadway version of Grease. She would also appear on Maud as the divorced daughter of Maud in the sitcom Maud. I'm going to say Maud a couple of more times. And then she would appear in movies like The Fog, Creepshow, Swamp Thing, Escape from New York. Later, she would go on to do some voice work, and I think most recently, or most famously recently, she appeared in the HBO series Carnival. Jamie Lee Curtis was Elizabeth Solly in this movie. Curtis was probably best known at that point for her role in Halloween, and she would go on to make some great horror films, Halloween, The Fog, Prom Night, and Terror Train. Since then, she's broken through to many genres and has continued to work up until very recently. I see her on TV all the time doing commercials for some yogurt. Janet Leigh, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother, was born in 1927, passed away in 2004. She probably was best known for her role in Psycho and in the Martin and Lewis film Living It Up. She would play Kathy Williams in The Fog. John Houseman played Mr. Macon. He was, without a doubt, one of the coolest voiced actors that have graced the screen. He was born in 1902 and passed away in 1988. He became known for his collaboration with director Orson Welles because they had worked together in their days in the Federal Theater Project up until Citizen Kane. Probably best known for his role as Professor Charles Kingsfield in the 1973 film The Paper Chase. For that film, he won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar, and he would reprise his role as Kingsfield in the subsequent TV series adaptation of the movie. He has that distinct mid-Atlantic accent that was common enough for actors of his generation. He just happened to work much longer and in the 70s and 80s really owned it. Such a great voice. Tom Atkins played Nick Castle. He was born in 1935, primarily known for his horror film work. Worked with Carpenter, King, and Romero. Tom Atkins would play Nick Castle in this movie. James Canning played Dick Baxter. He worked in MASH, Dallas, the TV show Family, Worked up until about 1991 when he did an episode of Law & Order and then seems to have fallen off everybody's radar. Charles Cyphers played Dan O'Banion. He was born in 1939. He's an American actor. Worked in films and television. Probably best known for his role as Sheriff Brackett in Carpenter's huge hit, Halloween, and he would reprise the role in Halloween 2. Nancy Loomis played Sandy Fadel. She's probably best known for her role as Annie Brackett in Carpenter's Halloween. Ty Mitchell played Andy Wayne. After 82, he seemed to stop working in entertainment. Then in 2006, came back to life and started working behind and in front of the camera again. Hal Holbrook played Father Malone. He was born in 1925. American actor played Abraham Lincoln in the 76 TV series Lincoln. In 2007, he had a role in the film Into the Wild, for which he was nominated for an Academy Award. Since 1954, he has done a one-man show every year as Mark Twain. Did not know that about him. And playing Bennett was John Carpenter himself in a small cameo.
not only does Carpenter tend to cast people he knows in films, he also tends to name the characters in the movies after people he collaborated with on previous films. So Dan O'Bannon was a screenwriter he worked with on his film Dark Star. Nick Castle is the guy who played Michael Myers in Halloween. Tommy Wallace worked with Carpenter as an editor and sound designer on some of his films. And although not a real person, Dr. Fibes was named after the Vincent Price character from Dr. Fibes' movies of the 70s. After these messages, we will return. Since you're the class chess champ, I'm picking you to pick the championship. Ruffles brand or regular chips? First these. It's kind of regular, guys. Now Ruffles. Tremendous potato taste. Ruffles win. In a national test, moms preferred Ruffles by an average of almost two to one over leading regular potato chips. Look, uh, you don't have to be a champ to know which chip is champ, so judge for yourself. <laughs> Ruffles, the championship. Judge for yourself. And now, back to the show. When the movie came out, it had mixed reviews, but it was a commercial success. It cost about a million dollars to make and would gross over $21 million domestically. Roger Ebert at the time was commented in his review as saying, this isn't a great movie, but it does show great promise from Carpenter. So I guess it was good he went back and did some reshoots. Carpenter has said that it is not one of his overall favorite films due to the reshoots and what he thinks are low production values, which is why he would agree later to allow a remake to be made. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. First, I just want to say that there is a book that was put out, a novelization of The Fog, that was written by Dennis Etchison, and in it, you find out little bits of details that weren't in the movie, such as that the six people who were the conspirators who helped to crash the ship, six of their descendants must die for that fog to be lifted that night. So a little bit more detail. like a fog bank and it's moving straight toward us what kind of fog moves against the wind what's this what's wrong i keep seeing horrible things happening Just go! Somebody out here! 
So in 2005, a remake of The Fog came out. It was directed by Rupert Wainwright. It was written by Cooper Lane and starred Tom Welling and Maggie Grace. It was sort of based on the concept of the original movie, but was more of a teen horror film. It was panned by most critics, and it is very difficult to watch. So if you're going to pick a version of The Fog to watch, make sure that you're looking in the right section. Don't accidentally get the newer Fog. You will be disappointed. The Fog is one of those great movies that you can watch at any time of the year. When I was living in California and got to go to some of the places in the film, it sort of took on an extra life of its own, and I really enjoyed the nights when the fog would roll in to San Francisco, and I would pop that DVD into the DVD player and have all the shades up, and all I would see is fog outside. It was a very immersive moment. So hopefully you'll come up with your own immersive moment for the fog. Maybe you have an extra fog machine lying around, and you can let it run outside your house and create a real moody neighborhood for you and your neighbors. Whatever you decide to do, I just ask that you sit down and enjoy this wonderful film. It's great late 70s, early 80s horror, and while John Carpenter might think of it as just a minor classic, I consider it a major horror classic. Heating by sunlight is the source of energy for all changes in the weather. This heat evaporates water from oceans, lakes, and earth, and changes it into water vapor. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist and twitter.com slash retroist. If you like the music you hear during the show, that music is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy, peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Clouds have been formed Cause the land and sea were warmed And the vapor goes up with the air And you know that water evaporates When you see those clouds up there Evaporation and condensation The water cycle, the water cycle Followed by precipitation The water cycle, the water cycle The never Ending cycle is taking place all the time and everywhere. The rain and the hail and the sleet and the snow falling down on the land and the sea. Fill the lakes and the ponds and the rivers that flow to the oceans continually. And the heat-giving sun just repeats what it has done, and the vapor goes up with the air. And you know that water can circulate when you see those clouds up there. Evaporation and condensation. The water cycle, the water cycle. Followed by precipitation. The water cycle, the water cycle. The never-ending cycle is taking place all the time and everywhere. Blah, blah, blah. All right.
This has been a Retrous production. Goodbye.